It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Now, from the most powerful city in the world, a new generation of conservative talk. Fair, fresh, fun. It's the Guy Benson Show with Guy Benson. Powerful city in the world. Hmm. I don't know. Are we the most powerful city in the world? I got Julie Banderas coming up. She says it's a hellhole here. She's right. But it's still the media capital of the world. That's certainly for sure. Joe Concha. In for Guy Benson, the Guy Benson Show, 833-456-1300. That is your toll-free number. You don't even have to pay for it. Isn't it wonderful of Fox to be able to say, call in, no charge whatsoever, we'll absorb this. We want to take your phone calls here. We're going to call it Open Line Friday. I believe a guy that worked in radio for uh, many, many years used to call it that, and I'm stealing it, so screw it. I want to hear from you about what's going on in this country where now... In another country called Mexico, apparently the president just announced that the remain in Mexico policy will be reinstated in November. Wow. And here I thought that kids in cages and the treatment of migrants in general. And when candidate Joe Biden told people, come on in like a big open like like the, the party in weird science or 16 candles, everybody's allowed in. It's okay. It's one big party. When he talked that way and talked about being uh, magnanimous and, and generous to to those who want to come to this country, hey, I'm all for it. Uh, my great-grandparents came here from Ireland. Kind of funny. They come here, and then they made headstones. I swear, that was like the family business. And people are always dying, so hey, worked out pretty well. I got some sort of inheritance from that. But the point is, come here legally, no problem. Illegally, big problem, because now we're looking at we're on a pace to have 2.4 million people come into this country illegally this year alone under the Biden-Harris administration. you got to call it the Biden-Harris administration because Kamala Harris, the vice president, is in charge of said border. Now, what's 2.4 million people? You know, on the radio and television, people throw out numbers and it's hard to absorb sometimes. 2.4 million people is more than the population of Houston, the home of the Astros, former home of the Oilers. And they're also the fourth most populous city in this country. All right. So think about that for a second. We're going to allow that many people in here and and there doesn't seem to be any sort of solutions being put forward whatsoever until now. We're now the remain in Mexico policy, which means Mexico is going to play a much bigger role as far as keeping folks who come into their country from coming here. But it may be too little too late at this point, because once the floodgates are open, once the uh, toothpaste is out of the tube, hard to put toothpaste back in the tube. I tried. I know it's impossible. So that is the report card on Kamala Harris. And I want to talk about all the president's men and women, for that matter, uh, given the folks that surround this president and are supposed to be the adults in the room. That's what we were told. All right. Trump was you know, total chaos and all these different people and the firings. And you got Scaramucci as the, you know, the press secretary, the communications director for about five minutes. I could go through all the chiefs of staff that, that Donald Trump had, all the department, uh, the secretaries of defense, uh, the FBI director, obviously, and Comey. Everything changed. I mean, the turnover there was higher than it was at Friendly's when I worked there. And I lasted three weeks. And it was the hardest job I've ever had because not only do you make the take the order, you got to make the order. And then there's no tips whatsoever. I swear, because the clientele were, were teenagers and they were old people and they have two things in common. They don't tip. Well, they tip, but you know, the calculator comes out and I'm getting 15.8% on like a $3 ice cream. And you know, that's not a lot of money. 
I'm not don't mean to insult anybody. This is getting off to a bad start. I think you know what I mean, though. Uh, that I'm glad I'm in radio and I'm glad I'm in here for Guy Benson, and I'm glad that I'm not in charge of the border because when you choose Kamala Harris to do this job, and then you look back at her past comments and you realize, wow, she compared ICE uh, to the KKK, and she said that. Migrants coming into this country illegally, no, actually, that should be legal. And that's the person you put in charge of this particular problem. No wonder why things aren't going so well in that regard. And I believe now the last poll I saw, Biden-Harris is polling at 23 percent on their handling of the border. Not good. And then you look at who is the secretary of transportation. we got a supply chain crisis going on right now. So who is in charge of that at this point? The transportation secretary is. His name is Pete Buttigieg. Edge, edge. Buttigieg. That's how you pronounce it. You got to go edge, edge at the end. Boot, edge, edge. All right. So this guy was the former mayor of South Bend, Indiana. You've all seen Rudy. You know who the fighting Irish are. I've been to a couple of games out there. And on a Saturday afternoon in October, it's glorious. Any other time, however, not so glorious. It's your basic Indiana town, kind of in a rural part of that particular state. 100,000 people live there. They got a small bus station. They got a regional airport and they got a small train station. So the guy that was in charge of that, for whatever reason, this president said, you know, what job can I give Pete Buttigieg? What job? Right. Buttigieg. What job can we give him? Oh, let's make him transportation secretary. How many people work at that particular entity? Oh, 58,000. More than half the population of South Bend. A $100 billion budget. I'm pretty sure South Bend didn't have that kind of budget. So this guy is now in charge of fixing this problem. So you say, all right, well, he was military. He speaks eight languages. He plays classic piano. He's a smart guy. He could figure it out. Vince Lombardi once, the great Green Bay Packer, Washington Redskin coach. People forget about that part in his career. Uh, he was uh, considered, and rightly so, the greatest football coach of all time. But he also once coached high school basketball. And he was like Ted Lasso of his day. In other words, the the, the uh, basketball, uh, the athletic director at a particular school in New Jersey said, can you coach the basketball team also when football's done? He goes, I never played basketball in my life. I, I, don't, I don't really know much about the sport. He goes, but you're a great motivator. And you're, you have a great work ethic. And you'll get these kids to win. And you'll learn the sport. And they will be great. And sure enough, it worked out. Right? But that's what Buttigieg now is basically being thrown into. Like, well, he's a smart guy, so therefore he should be able to figure this out. The problem is he hasn't been at work. He has been on maternity leave. Now, remember, Buttigieg uh, is gay. He has a husband, Christian, uh, and they just adopted twins. And I'm all for uh, maternity leave, whether you're heterosexual, homosexual, it does not matter. All right. You get a new baby as a father of two. I could appreciate that very much. And uh, if Mayor Pete wanted to take off, let's say, 10 days two weeks while they acclimate themselves to having a baby because it's a scary thing. And I can imagine twins uh, is is especially scary for the first time for a first time father. Yep. There, there they are. As a matter of fact, Oh, they're teething. It sounds like I hope they don't know uh, they're colicky. Christine, is that the term colicky? Yeah. You give them a little uh, bourbon and uh, you'll be fine. Did that with my kid. But now the problem is he's still going for the bourbon. There may be an addiction problem there, but the point is that, I am all for maternity leave. It doesn't matter who you are, what your sexual orientation are. It it does not matter. The problem is that Buttigieg apparently took off two months. Two months. Since mid-August, he has been on maternity leave while this problem has been festering and has now exploded into a full-blown crisis. Because now you have on the East Coast, the West Coast, the Gulf Coast, you have hundreds of ships just sitting outside of these ports in the water and they can't get the goods in. And when they get the goods in, there aren't enough workers and truckers to get them off and then out 
to places across the country. And the guy in charge of this, two months of maternity leave you need? You have a partner. Couldn't you say, hey, look, you know, I know I should be here and I know I promised you two months, like maybe the two-week mark. But at this point, I got to get back to work because there's this big problem of this department uh, that I'm in charge of uh, is handling and I probably should be there. And he hasn't been. And so this is another person that's supposed to be the adult in the room that's running the country along with Kamala Harris. Then we look at Mayorkas. Alejandro Mayorkas, who is in charge of the border, in essence, as the head of the Homeland Security. And what does he say? He keeps getting in front of reporters and says that the border is closed. And then you look at the numbers. You say, hey, pal, uh, more than 200,000 people came into this country illegally in August and September. And I'm not even talking about the ones, the getaways, they call them, the, the ones that you can't even get on paper in terms of putting this data together. And he says the border is closed. And when asked, well, shouldn't you continue? you building the wall that Trump started? Because you could agree or disagree with Trump in terms of XYZ and mean tweets and so on, but I'm pretty sure walls work because you look at Israel and it seems to work pretty well over there and we have borders and we have to enforce the laws and the books and the, the wall and where it is was working quite well in terms of managing this crisis. And then Mayorkas says, nope, that's not who we are as Americans. And then Biden supports him. And then Mayorkas, his own border agents, they, 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 there's some pictures taken of apparently whips being used on Haitian migrants. And it turns out, per the photographer that took those pictures, that that story just ain't true. Absolutely farcical, false. And yet those Border Patrol agents are still on leave right now. There's still an investigation apparently going on right now. When even the New York Times says it's BS, that there were no whips being used. They were reins. It's what you use. I'm pretty sure, you know, I've, I've never actually been on a horse, but I've been enough horse racing to know that reins control the way a horse goes one direction to another. And that's all they were doing. And now these poor Border Patrol agents who can't even talk back because obviously they work for the government and they'll, they'll, they'll be absolutely fired if they, they speak out. They're not even working now at this point. So here you have Mayorkas going after his own Border Patrol agents. So you add it all up, Buttigieg, Harris, Mayorkas, and then, oh, the best, Ron Klain, the chief of staff. What a weasel this guy is. And all he's doing, he's on Twitter, Twitter, all day, all night. And when Trump was on Twitter, believe me, I didn't think that was the best use of time either. But in this case, where you have Ron Klain talking about how high inflation is a rich person's problem, that that... Don't worry about that low and middle class. The rich people, they're the problem here. As far as it's their problem. All I know is I went to go gas a couple of the, a couple of days ago, and it cost me 50 bucks. It used to cost me 30 bucks. Then I went to the store to pick up what I usually pick up for my family as far as groceries and everything. Eggs, poultry, steak, bacon. Bacon is up something like 14%. That is unacceptable in my world. But fortunately, I work like eight jobs, so I can absorb the, the cost. But if you're low or middle class and you're already on a tight budget and you've already filled up your car and it costs you $20 more and you go to the supermarket and it's costing you $40 more and then your rent's going up when you get home and then when you try to heat your home this winter they are saying now they the experts analysts are saying that heat prices are going to go up 54 percent from what we had last year this is and i know it's a cliche it's a tax on everyone inflation in this case and the supply chain thing is only going to make it worse because there's going to be more demand for products that people can't get and then the price goes up even higher and this is what this administration owns at this point. And what do I got to see today? The president on all the networks talking about how we have to spend more, trillions more to get us out of this problem. Look, I'm not an economist, but I did take Econ 101. And I am 
certain that if you print more money and put it into the system, it may devalue that dollar even more and send inflation even higher. So the solution to get out of this whole mess that we're in, in terms of inflation, in terms of supply chain, is to spend more money? Who are these people? And that's what we have going at this point. The president's men... Buttigieg. How do you say his name again? Pete? Buttigieg. Right. Buttigieg. Harris. Klain. Jake Sullivan in terms of foreign policy in Afghanistan. And Mayorkas at the border. And Ron Klain, the chief of staff, the shadow president. These are the people that are in charge if you don't believe that that Joe Biden's working. If you look at his schedule every day, uh, not much going on there. And this is not exactly inspiring confidence as we move forward. The good news, I guess, maybe, is that in 2022, Republicans will take back the House. Nancy Pelosi will be retired. The Senate will also go back to Republicans. A 50-50 split there. All you need is one. And then in 2024, who knows who your nominee is? It could be Biden. It could be Harris. Or Biden-Harris could both run and get primaried out anyway by the progressive wing of the party that'll be mad that they didn't get through all the things that they promised. Either way, it's a hot mess and a dumpster fire in Washington, D.C. But here we got some great guests coming up as far as your show is concerned. Julie Banderas will be joining us. Tim Murtaugh will be joining us. Christy and who else do we got? You see, you light up so many guests. My, Miranda my brain Devine, stack Senator Marsha Blackburn. Ooh, ooh, okay. Devine's a friend. She's great. She's British, so she sounds smart. Even she's making like a completely ridiculous point. And then finally, uh, obviously, Marsha Blackburn, who just went down to the border and also has been big as far as social media and Facebook and holding Mark Zuckerberg's feet to the fire. So we got a great show lined up for you. I hate to sound like a, an old game show or a uh, talk show host, but Joe Concha in for Guy Benson. Back with more in just a moment. You're listening to a new generation of talk. Generation of talk. Guy Benson. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services Marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Welcome back. The Guy Benson Show. Joe Concha in for Mr. Benson. I got to tell you, the Babylon Bee is one of the greatest publications in the history of publications. And I'm not big on hyperbole, but the stuff they come up with is just overwhelmingly 
great as far as satire is concerned. And, and Facebook, I want to say this was last year, actually censored them because they were putting out misinformation. You're like, wait a minute. It's comedy. They're making a joke. You don't censor comedy. I mean, I guess Chappelle, people are trying to censor him now at this point because uh, he's part of wrong speech instead of right speech or the, the jokes aren't the type of jokes that I guess if you go after Trump or conservatives, uh, that's OK. But Chappelle apparently went after some groups that thought that they cannot be mocked. They're the third rail of you know comedy apparently and, and he just basically said f you i mean it's funny i mean it, it, some people apologize that's the thing when the woke mob comes for you and they want to cancel your career cancel you a lot of people think and it's a human instinct if you apologize then they'll be placated and that's not the way it works they want the scalp and the minute you apologize you might as well just be signing your career death warrant you know just run to linkedin and start updating the uh, the resume right now because you're finished and Chappelle realized that and and he and he pushed back well the babylon b they are now a part of a feature in the atlantic that basically asked the question would you and the, this is this is the question to the babylon b and their editor in chief Kyle Mann, do you think that Jesus, because apparently the Babylon Bee uh, is more of a conservative site, and conservatives, they're, they're not allowed to be funny, would Jesus mock the people that you're mocking? Would he belittle anybody? Why are you doing this, Babylon Bee, basically, is what The Atlantic is asking. And you're like, no, wait a minute. How is that possible? Do you watch The Daily Show? Have you seen... Stephen Colbert and the things that he said, homophobic jokes, by the way, that, that Colbert said about Trump and Putin. And and I, I guess I can't say it on the air, but I guess you could kind of do the math around that. But for whatever reason, if conservatives start to make some headway in, in the comedy game, then that's considered a threat. You look at Gutfeld, for example. Gutfeld is, and I mean beating badly, Jimmy Kimmel, the Pope of Late Night. He's beaten Seth Meyers. He's beating, obviously, who else is on there? Fallon, who used to be number one for a long time, and then the whole thing became political. And on some nights, he's beating Colbert. And people say, well, it doesn't count. He's on at 11 o'clock. It's different. They're on at 1130. Yet, like, that half hour makes a difference. All I know is you have a guy on a cable show with 120th the resources that the Colberts and Kimmels and Fallons of the world have, and Gutfeld is the one uh, that is beating them handily most of them and then even Colbert on some nights and it just shows you it's kind of like and in, in Fox is celebrating its 25th anniversary this week uh, and last week as well I guess it's going to go on we're going to call it just an anniversary month at this point but what, what you have here at Fox and people always ask me and this is even before I joined as a contributor why are they so successful what is the secret sauce I said it's two things actually they found and this is what Charles Krauthammer used to say the great Charles Krauthammer he said Fox is successful because they found their niche audience, half the country. Half the country was thirsting for this because they saw ABC, CBS, CNN, NBC, Washington Post, New York Times, all echo chambers, all pushing the same narrative, taking the news from a certain prism, a certain perspective. And then Fox said, OK, maybe there's another side to all this that represents more of the flyover states, middle America, regular Americans, not just people in New York and Washington where these media companies are located. Right. And that is one reason. And then the other, I said, the people are authentic. The, the people here are themselves there. And I'm not, I'll say 95 percent are the same person you see in the hallway, in a green room, walking down the street. than they are on the 
air. And I'm the same way. Uh, you have a conversation with me here on the radio or at a bar. It's going to be the same. Believe me. Uh, and, and that's just why Fox, I think, is so successful because people can be themselves. And you watch those other networks and they just seem phony. It's like they're putting on an act. Right. Watch Chris Cuomo or Don Lemon uh, get outraged about something. You know, it's an act. It's, it's, it's nonsense. Right. Uh, Joy Reid, Rachel Maddow. It's an act. These aren't who these people are. So I just find it funny that here you have the Atlantic asking the Babylon Bee, would Jesus really be mocking these people? I don't know. Who cares? It's, it's such a... It's- Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Such a, what's the word I'm looking for here? Hypothetical that a whole story was still written about it. It's quite remarkable. Anyway, Joe Concha in for Guy Benson. Miranda Devine coming up on the other side of the hour. Back with more in just a moment. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Talking about the issues you care about. Guy Benson. Joe Conchian for Guy Benson, the Guy Benson Show. 833-456-1300. Your call's coming up after... Miranda Devine, New York Post columnist, a Fox News contributor, on TV a lot on what looks like a very professional, sparkling studio that exists in her apartment because of me and I take credit for it. Thank you, Miranda. How are you? Hi, Joe. I'm really well. And I must say, every time I go on Fox News, I bless you uh, because (laughs) you're right. I have this brilliant studio and uh, all because of your referral of our friend Curtis Bush. That's right. Curtis Bush Studio 67 free plug. Uh, So basically Miranda and I have studios in our respective homes and what that does is if we show up on Fox News for five or six minutes uh, it used to be you had to get into a car and in my case come all the way from Jersey, go through the traffic go over a bridge, get dropped off it takes you know usually over an hour to go 19 miles which is a tad frustrating then you do the hit for four minutes and then you're back in the car for another hour and a half so two and half hours of commuting time to do four or five minutes on the air and it was it was getting tough so i found this guy to put a home studio in which barely takes up any room right miranda and then suddenly you go on the air you do your thing and you're back with your family or you're back to work doing other things you gain back so much time so hey there's a little secret sauce that that, that we wanted to share here miranda but what i wanted to talk to you about is your new column which i, I just think is so gripping about this father because i you know I'm, I'm a dad i have an eight-year-old daughter i got a six-year-old son uh but in this case you know i, I thought about my daughter in terms of here you had a 15-year-old in Loudoun County, right, that, that's a wealthy uh, county outside of Washington, D.C., that we see in the news a lot as far as these contentious school board meetings, parents caring uh, deeply about what their, their children are being taught and obviously running into a brick wall as far as these school administrators, school boards uh, who just don't want to hear it. Uh, and now actually we have A.G. Merrick Garland uh, now declaring some of these parents domestic terrorists, which is a very interesting uh, position for an attorney general uh, to take here against parents who all are saying is we just want to have a say in who and what is being taught to our children. And I, I just want to have you unpack this story for me. So basically, I'll let you just launch it from here. What happened originally? What's the allegation? What happened to the father and what happens next? 
Well, on June 22, there was a board meeting, Loudoun County School Board meeting, and um, this father is a plumber, Scott Smith. Three weeks earlier, his daughter had been, a 15-year-old daughter, had been raped and sodomised in her school bathroom by another 15-year-old student, well, a boy, in a dress. Uh, yeah, um, I think he's gender fluid. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... The, the board meeting was discussing uh, one of the things was this transgender bathroom policy that a bunch of activists were pushing through. There was a, a rainbow uh, protest outside going on very noisily and this very woke school board, which is stacked with far leftists at Loudoun County, had engineered um, things so that there were only activists who were able to speak in the public speaking part of the, um, uh, you know, the night's festivities. And there were about, uh, I'm told, about a dozen of these activists getting up and saying why transgender bathrooms were important. And then the people in the crowd, the parents, a majority of the parents there did not want this. They don't want critical race theory. You know, they don't want racial quotas. They just want their children to be taught properly. And so... They're, uh, you know, getting angry because one of the speakers, for instance, uh, stood up and said, oh, the hatred from the Jesus lovers in the room, you know, very bigoted anti-Christian comment. And uh, so there was jeering from the other parents, um, at which point the school board says, well, no, you're not allowed to clap or cheer or jeer. You have to use jazz hands. You're not allowed to make any noise. Hmm. And uh, if you do it again, we're going to close the board down. So next thing, there's a Republican former senator gets up and he uh, says, you know, that that children should not be taught that girls are boys and boys and girls and they shouldn't be critical race theory and kids taught to be racists. And he gets some cheers and claps. So at that point, the board says, uh, right, that's it. You were warned. You're not using jazz hands. We're closing the meeting. So at that point, there was uproar in the room. And Scott Smith, this dad, is in the middle of it. He hasn't been able to get a spot to speak, but he wants to speak. And um, one of the um, rainbow protesters outside, who is also a mother, comes in. She sees him. She knows what's happened to his daughter. She's afraid that he's going to make a fuss. So she walks up to him and she and his wife and says, you know, what, do you, what side are you on? Whose side are you on? Are you against the transgender bathrooms? And he said, my, my daughter was raped. And this woman says, no, your daughter was not raped. So he gets angry. She says, he's got his plumber's business T-shirt on. She says, I'm going to just, well, according to him, she allegedly says, I'm going to uh, destroy your business. My God. He calls, he calls her a, a rude word beginning with B um, and raises his voice. There's police in there. Uh, because it's a contentious meeting. They're looking for unrest. They see that a man is shouting at a woman. They come up. One police officer sort of grabs him by the elbow. He yanks his arm away. Suddenly he's resisting arrest. There's, you know, a number of police on top of him, tackle him to the ground. This is all videotaped. Um, his his pants come down. His belly is exposed. His T-shirt is ripped. His face is bleeding. Um, this video goes all around the world. And he becomes the face of domestic terrorism, the face of white supremacy, even though this has nothing to do with any of that. He then, uh, there's a a, a George Soros-funded prosecutor in the area. He is arrested and charged with um, 
remember what it is, like assault and battery or something, um, and resisting arrest. Uh, Anyway, some charges, criminal charges. So this prosecutor, left-wing prosecutor, uh, Soros-funded, wants to put him in jail. Um, And this this woman is also an anti-jail person. You know, she wants um, decarceration policies for criminals, but for a dad trying to defend his daughter... Um, she wants him to be put in jail. So he doesn't go to jail, but he is then cited as the reason um, that the National School Boards Association has cited for using the Patriot Act Act against parents and getting the FBI and the Secret Service and Department of Homeland Security, etc., to step in and all these 14,000 school board meetings across the country and criminalise parents who are objecting to their children being brainwashed with this woke left-wing ideology. So the National School Boards Association writes this inflammatory letter, sends it to Joe Biden. Joe Biden then within five days, he's deputised Merrick Garland, the supposedly independent attorney general, to sick the FBI onto parents across the country using this father, Scott Smith, whose daughter has been raped in the school bathroom um, as the poster child for domestic terrorism around the country. And um, meanwhile, Scott Smith, um, uh, you know, he's kept quiet about it. He hasn't said anything since June 22. And then about a week ago, he finds out that another child has been um, sexually assaulted, allegedly, by the same person who sexually assaulted his daughter. He was moved to another school and the same thing happened. Now, at that June 22 meeting, the uh, Scott Ziegler, who's the school superintendent, was asked, had there been any assaults in school bathrooms? And he said, not to his knowledge. And then he said, he gave a little homily about how transgender bathrooms are not a, a threat. You know, there's no way that there are any, there's no such thing, he said, as a transgender predator. And he cited a story in Time magazine to prove it. Time magazine, right? <laughs> Which, of course, that that's an objective publication. Yeah, I saw there is no red herring uh, here as far as uh, people like that I- existing. And it, that that's what's what's incredible here. I, I think what we're seeing now also here, Miranda, and this is something that uh, came across fairly recently as, as far as this story is concerned. Uh, Beth Bartz resigns from Loudoun County School Board on the same day the school superintendent apologizes to students in sex assault case. So th- this is uh, just coming across my my desk, so to speak, my, my email inbox anyway. So th- that's, that's interesting. Uh, do you think that as far as this Virginia race, that ultimately it, because – of the stories like you just told that the Republican there uh, has a chance to beat Terry McAuliffe, the, the incumbent, as far as winning this Virginia governor's race and uh, in, in what has become really a blue state. It seems like education is is driving the bus down there at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at the polls and parents are not um, – uh, you, you, like the very suburban mothers that were um, instrumental, I guess, in turning against Donald Trump, uh, you know, polling showed that he had problems with suburban women. Um, They are the very people who are now so disillusioned with Joe Biden and his policies and the Democrats and their, um, you know, left-wing agenda, which has been exposed, I guess, through COVID, um, particularly with parents, you know, with remote learning, being able to see what's going on in this 
in in the classroom when they walk past their kids, uh, you know, their kids' laptop open and see what the hell are you being taught. Um, and so they've sort of become uh, switched on, you know, red pilled, whatever you call it. And they um, are trying to assert their right as parents to um, decide what their children are taught. Terry McAuliffe has openly said that parents don't get to decide what their children are taught. He thinks that that has said openly that that is not their role, that they just need to shut up and accept whatever brainwashing is uh, forced down their kids' throat uh, to you know divide and conquer. So I think that that's... Um, you know, I think that that one statement is the kiss of death for Terry McAuliffe. And um, I think once you see that that's the sort of mentality he has, it makes it very hard for any of those parents to vote for him. And Youngkin, I think, has not put a foot wrong when it comes to this issue, which is a huge issue for parents in that in Virginia. And we're talking to Miranda Devine. She is a New York Post columnist, Fox News contributor. Yeah, I have, uh, you know, as I, as I mentioned, eight-year-old, six-year-old, they're not being uh, taught this stuff yet as far as i can tell you know i was at uh parent teacher night uh last week uh, i can't see their teachers doing that in my particular district thank god uh we have the smallest house in our block to live in the town that we do because the education system uh is the public education system i should say uh is so highly ranked so this is the town that we wanted to go to but i just feel so sorry for some parents that i hear from in other towns that Again, Martin Luther King Jr. taught that we should judge people not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character, right? And, and that's that's always was uh, the hallmark of, of the great speech uh, that he gave in Washington uh, way back when in the early 60s. And now it seems that critical race theory is the exact opposite of that, that my kids eventually are going to be taught to look at other kids through racial prisms or through gender prisms. And then I look at the overall picture in terms of, okay, how's the U.S. doing – on the education front when we compare ourselves to other countries. And China is ranked number one. Ireland is ranked 11. Australia is ranked 21st. And there is the United States all the way down at 25th in math, in reading, and in science. And you would think that we try to improve on the basic blocking and tackling that you have to do to teach your kids and prepare them for the real world. But instead, it's it's this woke vision of focusing on gender and race in the past while China is teaching their kids how to prepare for the future. I think Bill Maher had the best line. He said, you know, in this country, uh, uh, no, what do you say? Oh, in China, they're building bridges while in this country, we're thinking about what to rename the bridge, right? So that's that's where we are at this point. But it, it, it's a scary time. And I just wonder if parents will ever truly get the power that they should have as far as what their kids are being taught or the teachers unions are just that powerful, particularly now when you have a Democratic uh, House and Senate and president that supports them fully. Well, exactly. And, you know, who's number one in those uh, part of those tests that you're talking about? China, yeah. number one in maths, number one in science, um, and we're all lagging behind. But um, look, you're lucky about your school, but I think that this is coming to a, to every school eventually, um, mm. this sort of woke ideology. And, you know, because there are so many lies told about what it is, you know, we're told there's no such thing as critical race theory in the schools. But y yes, there is. I mean, it might not be exactly what's taught at the universities, but it's a variation of it dumbed down for smaller kids. And today we saw Joe Biden uh, get up and make that speech in Connecticut about um, his big, you know, childcare spending program as if that's going to be a wonderful boon to parents. Well, I can tell you, having lived in Australia for a long time, when 
the the left wing um, government party uh, that was in charge at the time brought in uh, you know a big childcare spending. What it did was it sent the cost of childcare, and this has happened everywhere in the world. Uh, the cost of childcare goes through the roof. You then have unionised teachers, childcare teachers, instead yeah. of you know the lovely people who love kids who are going in there and might not have a college degree, but they want a part time job and they're great with kids or they're young women and they're doing it while they you know go sure. on to some something else. Um, and instead of that, you're going to get college educated people who um, have been themselves indoctrinated in woke ideology that they then force onto oh, two and three year olds. So what you're getting in Australia, uh, where, where, which is like, say, five years ahead of this in America, yeah. um, is you have two and three-year-olds being taught about gender ideology and, and you know, being encouraged to wear boys wearing dresses and oh, so man. on. Uh, two and so, three-year-olds, Miranda. Think, I mean, I, 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 you know, my kids aren't that removed, far removed from that particular age. They don't see the world through any prism, right? It's 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 utopia. It's it's their imaginations. It's my son, he, you know, he just turned six. He brought home a picture a couple of days ago where he's an astronaut and he wants to go to Mars. It's like, great! Like, that, that's we're, we're ruining this innocence. And I'm sorry we got to go, unfortunately. Uh, we, we ran out of time because I could talk to you for the full hour. But keep up the great work at the New York Post and, and keep a light on this particular story because uh, so many parents out there care about this. And, and uh, again, you're, you're a great writer and we appreciate you joining us. Thanks, Joe. Okay, Miranda. Thank you. Enjoy your home studio. Back with more with the Guy Benson Show in just a moment. You're listening to Guy Benson. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. And welcome back to The Guy Benson Show, 833-456-1300. Please do call in. Hey, I got to tell you, I heard this new Adele song. Christine, have you heard it? Wait, you're giving me that look. You don't you know, like the Adele? I, I like her, but I feel like this is all I'm hearing about is this new Adele song. Do we have nothing else to talk about? I think we got a couple other things to talk about. Okay. Like what? Well, obviously what's going on as far as pick any crisis at this point, right? I, a little later, I'd like to talk to you about uh, the supply chain crisis and our Christmas shopping. And your, uh, we had a little conversation before I came on the air as far as I have to get my Christmas shopping done. Apparently by midnight tonight or else there's not going to be anything left. A little exaggeration there, but, but, but that could be a big issue. Uh, do you have any pets at all? No. I do. You we do? rescued a uh, a little puppy during the pandemic. Yeah. Her name is Rosie. She's uh, named after one of my favorite Golden O'Donnell? Girls. O'Donnell? You named a dog no. after Rosie O'Donnell? She's not named after Rosie O'Donnell. Okay. It's the first name that I always think of. You know, certain names, you, you go right to that point. What kind of dog is this? A mutt. A mutt? A pretty mutt. Okay. Very good. And is she a neutered? Yes. Spade? Yes. Which one gets spayed? The dog, the boy or the girl? The girl gets spayed. Okay. The boy, the boy gets, gets neutered. neutered. All right. I, Apparently, I, you do not have a dog, do no, you? No, no. I got, I got a puppy, uh, Max Maximus, at home. He is now f- coming up on five months. So we're getting to that point where I'm going to have to have a conversation with him. We're going to have to do a little snip snip. You know what I mean? Are you going to get him Christmas presents? Because I already ordered Rosie's. That's eventually what I was going to get to. Yeah. So what do I get a dog? Oh, I know. Can I tell you? Yeah, please. I have the perfect gift for everybody with a dog. Oh, yeah? Do Go buy the DNA test. Go buy what? The DNA test. Yeah. Then get it sent out, get Uh the results, wrap it up, and on Christmas morning, open it for your dog and you tell that dog what she or he really is. Really? 
that a genius idea? I think that is the best idea I've heard at least in the last 10 minutes. So outstanding job, Christine. Thank you. DNA test. Joe Concha in for Guy Benson. Who we got next hour, Christine? Julie Banderas. Ah, the great Julie Banderas. This is going to be fun. We're going to get nasty. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. Live from the most powerful city in the world, unconventional talk from a fresh, unconventional conservative, Kai Benson Show. And for Guy Benson, I am a Fox News contributor, also a media and politics columnist for The Hill, a nice little newspaper in Washington, D.C. So used to cover just media. Now it's impossible to separate media and politics at this point. So I figured why not expand the old net and cover both? So my new column is up today, basically talking about Nancy Pelosi and her ordering reporters to sell her infrastructure plan a little bit more. Uh, so you might want to check that out uh, at thehill.com. You're not selling this well enough. I was counting on you guys to get this over the finish line. And even reporters like, yeah, uh, something that costs $3.5 trillion you expect us to sell at, it really only costs the American taxpayer $0. It's going to reduce the debt and cut taxes. We can't even do that for you, Nancy. So uh, very interesting. And she'll be retired next year. So uh, that is something to look forward to in November of 2021. 833 456 1300. 833-456-1300. We asked the question, how has inflation impacted you? Specifically, like what have you felt? When was the first time you're like, hey, those eggs, they cost a little bit more money than they did last time. Or, wow, why is it costing 20 more dollars than it did last year to fill up my tank? And that's what happened with me just recently with my Acura TL 2006. My car is 15 friggin' years old. My neighbor, who, you know, isn't listening, so I guess I can say this, who doesn't work, has this beautiful Jeep, right, that he shimmies by in every day, and I got a 15-year-old car. You want to know why? Because my car got stolen last year, Christine. You hear about this? No, I did not. Yeah. I mean, I live in New Jersey, and you say, oh, if you don't live in New Jersey, then you think it's just like whatever you see in the Jersey Shore and the Sopranos, and it's a bunch of smokestacks, and it's just an ugly state with ugly people, and we have these horrible accents. Obviously, we don't. Everybody speaks like me. The point is, Christine, that one day I come outside, and I go to start my car, right? And I got the keys, and uh, no car. It's in my driveway, and I'm like, this neighborhood? You know, I've, I've, I haven't seen a cop in two years. Like, it's a pretty good neighborhood. You know what I mean? Steve Doocy lives in my neighborhood. I'll put, it that, put that in perspective. Martha McCallum, my kids go to the elementary school that Martha McCallum uh, went to. All right? So pretty good town up, up in northern Jersey. Well, turns out I have two sets of keys, and I just keep two around at all times because one's always missing, you know, in some way, shape, or form. Well, in this case... Since I have a dog, I have uh, two kids, uh, and I'm always getting stuff in and out. Apparently, I left my keys in the car. Now, here's the thing about this, okay? Technology got a little bit too cute and a little bit too smart when they went with these ignitions, all right, where you don't put the key in the ignition anymore, right? What you end up doing instead is as long as it's in the, it's in the car somewhere, the car will start. Now, here's where these people, whoever invented this, fell down. If you leave your keys in the car— all right. Something should tell you that as you're walking away from it. 
I don't know, like a beep, 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 right? Like, hey, look, you're gone, but your keys are still in here. Of course, that doesn't happen, but then it gets better. My maker, thank you, Honda. If you leave your keys in the car, the rear view mirrors invert in. You might as well put a friggin' neon sign saying, steal me. So these people went through my neighborhood. They saw the inverted mirrors. They said, ah, got it. They take the car. They go to Newark, New Jersey, right? And you say, why Newark? Newark, as you're probably seeing with all the the supply chain crisis, uh, Newark is one of those port cities uh, that has a lot of boats that go in and out of it. And apparently the goal is to get this thing onto a boat and get it over to Africa, right, where they then can resell the car. But in this case, I guess they couldn't get it there. So then they decided to crash it instead. So then the police called me. They're like, we found your car. I said, that's great. I go, is it in good shape? They go, all we were told is that all four wheels are still, are still on it. Well, it doesn't exactly inspire confidence, but okay. I go down to this trail yard. It's the size of Rhode Island, this place in Newark. I've never seen the biggest you know, car yard that you, you whatever you call them, uh, that, that you'll ever see. I go to my car, and all, all I see from a distance is the uh, airbag up against the window. Oh, they crashed it. All dent and everything. And then I, I, I'm like, they're like, is there anything you want to get out of the car? I go, if there's anything in it. And I go in, there's receipts everywhere, right, with the person's name on it. I'm like, oh, it's one thing to get your car stolen. It's another thing to get your car stolen from freaking idiots who leave receipts behind. So I went to the police, and they're kind of like we're like apathetic about it. Like, okay, we'll try to track this down, but, you know, it's only a name. I said, all right, great. So meanwhile, I had this old car that I was about to, like, give to my niece, you know, because it has 200,000 miles on it, and the rearview mirror is kind of hanging off now at this point, the reason why I got a new car. And now that's still my car to this day. Uh, but at least you put your keys in the ignition so I can't get it stolen again. Nine cars that night were stolen off my block. So there were nine other idiots that left their keys in the car. It's a thing. So I, I, that's all I'm saying. You, you do an invention like this, maybe just something when you leave the keys in the car, the car lets you know it and then doesn't let criminals know that the keys are in the car by inverting the mirrors. Anyway, you'll pay one way or another. In this lifetime or or the next, my friend, I will track you down. I will find you, people who stole my car. I don't know what I'll do, though. I mean, what am I going to do, right? It's probably like a gang of people, right? It looked like there was like a good four or five people in there. They left clothes behind and everything. I think they were living out of it, to be honest with you. That is, I can't even say it was Joe Biden's America because it happened last year. It happened under Trump. Everybody's to blame. 833-456-1300 is your call. How is inflation impacting you? That's what I want to know. I know how it impacts me. It impacts me by the fact that I'm just paying a lot more for things. And you feel it. I never really paid attention, but it feels like in the last like two, three weeks. And then suddenly things I'm trying to get at the store, I got to call my wife. I'm like, they don't have it. They don't have it. I've made like three or four of those calls. No question. Anyway. Let's play some sound here. And this comes from the president who wasn't the president at the time. He was a candidate. And this is in May of 2020, where he blamed food shortages under President Trump on a, quote, leadership problem, unquote. Cut one. Go. We don't have a food shortage problem. Oh, we have a leadership problem. Okay. We have plenty of food. Uh I'd harness the restaurant industry to help get food to those who need it and help get millions of laid off workers back to work and the job. This is not rocket science. It's leadership. Uh, where's the leadership now? You got to wonder. That was written for him, so I'm not even going to go off on Biden. Whoever wrote that, you got some explaining to do. Meanwhile, Ron Klain, I love this guy. Actually, I don't. 
he seems like the wormiest of, of most like your typical Washington, D.C., like swamp creature, been there his whole life type of thing. Now he's the chief of staff. So basically, I guess you can make the argument that maybe he's running the country. So Klain, who is very prolific on Twitter, uh, he uh, wrote this, tweeted this uh, back in 20. 18. Will Donald Trump hold up a Campbell's soup can and argue that price increases for basic food items really don't hurt the middle class? Because I think that is the Trump administration economic message of the day. That's what he said then. Now, what he's saying now, well, that's much different altogether because on Tuesday, he sends out the most tone-deaf tweet I think I have ever seen from any politician ever. I mean, that that's that's how bad this thing was, where basically he is talking about how inflation is a rich person's problem. It is only for high-income workers uh, and, and people that are going to feel it when, again, when you're talking about – Poultry and steak and eggs and bacon all going through the roof. When you talk about heating costs, now this is where the rubber is really going to hit the road, so to speak. In the winter, forecasts are now that we are going to have heat increases of more than 50%. Think about that. If your bill is $200, it will be more than $300. And people just aren't budgeted for this sort of thing. And when you talk about and we look back on what ultimately ended the the Biden presidency as a one-term presidency, and I cannot see in, in any scenario if things stay the way they are, even remotely close to what they are right now, either Joe Biden, I don't see him running, but then if he runs, then you're going to get basically Joe Biden, if he wins, and people will have to consider this, do I really want the 85-year-old version of Joe Biden running this country if he serves a second term to its full capacity? It's a pretty good question. And then the other one is it's Reagan. It's really quite simple. Ronald Reagan, uh, there's certain mottos that really stuck, right? And his, are you better off than you were four years ago? Okay, very basic question. Are you better off than you were one year ago? Well, let's see. On inflation, no, you're paying a lot more for stuff all across the board. And then if you live in New York City, you live in San Francisco, Minneapolis, Atlanta, Los Angeles, Portland, Seattle, do you feel safer? Or even, obviously, outside those cities as well because it's not confined just to major cities. But are you living in a more safe country? No, do you fear terrorism more? Yes, because Afghanistan is now friggin' Disney World for Al-Qaeda and ISIS and God knows who else because the Taliban is running it. Okay, is the U.S. border secure? No, it is not. Are you happy with the direction of your child's education, given critical race theory now being shoved down kids' throats? Again, judge people by the content of their character, not by the color of their skin. Martin Luther King, pretty simple stuff, and we're now we're teaching kids the opposite of that. Congratulations. So on every front, the president is failing, and it's just hard to see how he turns it around. It won't just take one speech, and he hasn't shown the ability to pivot, and that that's the thing here. Bill Clinton in 1995 made one of the smartest political moves I have seen uh, of any modern politician made. He saw that his polls were sagging. Whatever he wanted to accomplish wasn't getting done. 1994, obviously, Republicans took over, led by Newt Gingrich, took back the House. And then Clinton said, OK, I could either stay on this path and then lose in 96 my own reelection, or I could actually work with the other side. And he did. And Clinton, all right, a Democrat, imagine a Democrat saying this now, the era of big government is over. That's what he declared in 1995 when he uh, passed welfare reform with Newt Gingrich. Genius. And in 1996, the first time I was able to vote, you'll never guess who I voted for. I didn't vote for Bob Dole. I voted for Bill Clinton because the economy was going well and we were at peace and the guy showed he could work with the other side. Will Joe Biden do that? Not in a thousand years. He won't. 
He'll do whatever AOC and the squad tells him to do. Anyway, hey, we got some calls. Of course, I mean, this, the lines have been overwhelming uh, at this point as far as calls coming in. But I actually, what I meant to say is I have time to take calls. So Alicia from Austin, Texas. How about them Cowboys? I mean, you guys are killing it. You almost, if you beat Tampa Bay, you'd be undefeated. The NFL is a better place when the Cowboys are better. I hope you follow football. Go ahead, Alicia. <laughs> I do, very much so. Yes, I just want to say my apartments have just went up $300. I was wow. making it, but now I'm going to have to leave my apartment. And oh, no. I'm basically pretty much going to have to move in with my son. And I'm 57 years old, and I can't believe I'm in this shape, but I can't, you know, I just can't handle all the bills that have gone up. My bills have gone up, and they said that the gas was going to be going up at least 50%. Yeah. I can't afford that at all. Oh man! So you you go through that penance. You, you know you raised your son right. You change from changing the diapers. You, you know you're feeding him every night, making sure he's doing his homework, uh, cleaning the house. You know that's basically my job now. Uh, at, at this point, along with my wife, we split it fifty fifty. And now you got to go back with him. Now he's got to take care of you. And just to have that conversation, like, honey, I'm sorry, I can't afford to pay my rent, and the gas is too high, and the food is too high. I mean, that had to be a very difficult conversation for you to have. Uh, it's very sad. You know, I've supported myself my whole life. I've, I've worked six days a week, and, you know, I just can't do it anymore. And, I'm, you know, it's sad, but this is what we've come to. So, you know, I can't believe we're here at this time and place, but, you know. I am so sorry, Alicia. Uh, hopefully the Cowboys can cheer you up, and hopefully, you know, maybe we could get some new leadership uh, in the House, in the Senate, in the White House uh, sooner rather than later, and uh, you bring all this back down, and, and, and you're, you're back on your own again. But I appreciate the call, and, and, and thanks so much. Boy, that's heartbreaking. I, I, I hate to hear that. I mean, that's that's the whole ball of wrong. Tom, uh, what's going on with you as far as inflation and, and how it's impacting you? Well, I have kind of a different take on things. I hear a lot of people, like the inflation, I was doing some work on my house where I needed 15 sheets of plywood, and it was 20, 25 bucks before. And when I did it, it was like 75 bucks a sheet. So obviously that was a hit. But the one thing that I that I see, like a lot of people are saying, is this just like incompetence or is it all by design doing it on purpose and everything? And the one thing that I really have on my mind that was because with Kamala Harris not touching anything and not being found anywhere, just missing in action, it's like I predicted like in February, March, that Joe Biden would probably drop out of the presidency around, you know, six months before the midterms and and then Kamala could come in oh. and treat him like treat him like uh, a previous president, you know. It's yeah. Like the old administration messed us up. I'll fix it, you know. I, 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 wow. Tom, that, that, that's a hell of a scenario. And that's the thing, right? On The Sopranos, you had Johnny Sack, right? And he ran the New York crime family. And while Tony butted heads with Johnny, uh, it, basically they learned to get along. And then when everybody in Tony's uh, mob was saying, well, we got to get rid of Johnny Sack. And, and Tony said, you don't understand. We don't know who's going to replace him and if that person will be worse. And that's kind of like the Biden thing. Like Biden is horrible, but Kamala, that would be infinitely worse. So, boy, no good options. Great. My weekend's ruined. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate that scenario. Joe Concha filling in for Guy Benson, the Guy Benson Show. Back with more in just a moment. You're listening to Guy Benson. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. 
Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show. Joe Concha filling in for Guy Benson. Julie Banderas coming up very shortly. First, I got to play this video, or I should say sound because we're on radio. One more time uh, for you to hear because if you're teaching a class in terms of how to be the least authentic person on the planet, this may be it. So we're going to go to cut 21. It's Kamala Harris, her NASA video. And she's very excited about the Space Council. You could feel it. Cut 21, go. To think about so much that's out there that we still have to learn. Like, I love that. I love that. And so I'm very excited about the Space Council. We're going to learn so much um, as we increasingly, I think, are curious and interested in the potential for the discoveries and the work we can do in space. So that's one of the things I'm most excited about. That's very interesting. You would think at some point during that, because it's kind of a, a, a tick, a, a, a reaction with the vice president, where she kind of laughs at her own jokes, but it's not really a laugh. It's, yeah, more of a cackle. Yeah, that. Like when she was asked one time, like, oh, she was on a tarmac. She said, when are you going to visit the U.S. southern border since you were named the borders are? And this is like back in June. And then that cackle that, yeah, that. She, <laughs> <laughs> and then even Lester Holt one time, uh, and this is the last broadcast interview that, that she's done, by the way. The last broadcast interview that she's done was in June. Let's do the math. July, August, September, October. Four months. Four months. 120 days was the last time she sat down to do a broadcast interview. It was with Lester Holt. And she says, we've been to the border. We've been to the border. Then there was a cackle, I believe, somewhere in there. And then Holt says, but you haven't been to the border. <laughs> she says, well, I haven't been to Europe either. I'm not sure I really understand your point. Cackle. And it was like, well, wait a minute. You know, that's your job. And then she goes down for like five minutes, but didn't even go to a border town. <laughs> just kind of, I shouldn't laugh because it's such a humanitarian crisis down there. But that, that's what we're dealing now with at this point. When you take away the sizzle with Kamala Harris, first female vice president, first woman of color vice president, you take away all that and you look at performance on the border. How are things going down there? She is currently polling at 23% as far as her handling of the border. Then she, I guess, is in charge of voting rights, and that bill uh, is, is now stuck, obviously, uh, in, in Congress and the Senate, so that's not going anywhere. Well, what else is she in charge? And no, that's right. She was the last person in the room before the president made his decision as far as the withdrawal from Afghanistan. So uh, she tried to take credit for it until now. She's not taking credit for anything. And again, you could find Brian Laundry before you could find Kamala Harris these days and she's supposed to be the savior the, the, the plan B and again milk carton time for, for the vice president anyway Julie Banderas coming up next she's going to explain why New York City is a hellhole and why she's getting so much time on Gutfeld show these days because she's good she's very good you're going to want to stick around for that back with more in a moment it's the Hammer Time Podcast Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one on one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com America's listening to Fox News talking about the issues you care about Guy Benson and the Democratic cities and states are not doing it at least not yet uh, I'm not holding and my breath and New York is a hellhole uh, it, it, it is, Ooh, thanks to Mayor no, de Blasio. It's not looking so hot no, when it not. comes yeah. to crime. No, it's not. You don't get to call New yeah. York that. 
Well, not yes, much. but we can't call it. I live it, here, sister. But yeah, I live here. I, I so walk the streets. I. Not like that. But I do walk around. I read the New York Post. I talk to cops. I know what's going on here. That's not you. an accurate journalist outlet. No, 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 no. I, I'll tell you, as a journalist, I yeah, talked to all the is. cops, and I know a lot of people in the NYPD. In fact, one of the lead detectives in New York City texted me during the show. Um, so let me just tell you that the police here cannot do their jobs because they are not backed up by the Democratic leaders, and that's Please why our crime rates have gone up. That's there is accurate. no question. No, it's yeah, not go, a hellhole. Go I talk love to your New York City. Hellhole. Yeah, that's about right. I used to live here way back when. Much different city. I was here during Giuliani, and then I worked here every day during Bloomberg. And never once did I ever feel unsafe. Never once, at least in Midtown, would you see encampments like I saw on my way in today into New York. It it actually was completely and totally and perfectly symbolic. You had a, a restaurant, a bar that I used to go to for many years, and it was all boarded up. Like a thousand restaurants have been boarded up during COVID. And then right outside of it, a literal like tent city where I saw three or four people emerging from this this tarp and it took up an entire half a block. People living under there never saw that when I lived there. Hell holes correct. I have a feeling my next guest, Julie Banderas of Fox News, Fox News Channel anchor. Wanted to use a different word other than hell uh, in this situation. But, you know, the the, the, the uh, higher ups uh, probably would have uh, thought better uh, of that if, if she went with the the S word in that situation, which could have applied. Julie, was that where your mind was going? But as a professional, you said probably should tone it down just a touch. Well, first of all, thanks for labeling me a professional. That's like the biggest compliment I've gotten, I think, all year. Um, because restraint is not one of my strongholds. If you ever watch me every anywhere that I speak, it's hard for me to to actually not speak exactly what's on my mind, but you are absolutely correct. There was a word that was going to come out and it would not necessarily be welcomed by my bosses. So um, hellhole, while I don't believe, like I love New York City, let me just say I'm a New Yorker through and through and my heart lies in New York City, but what has happened to our city as a result of our mayor is absolutely devastating. And I'm actually one of many New Yorkers that got pushed out because of him. Successful New Yorkers that earn money and pump money into our economy, pump money into the city, and we're all leaving. And and I'm actually in the process of packing up my apartment right now. I'm renting it out, and I'm going to commute two hours from outside of the city because of what the city has become. I I don't even want to send my kids to school here. I don't trust it. They went to a private school on the Upper West Side. I never had issues. Well, now the Upper West Side is a toilet bowl. I mean, honestly, the amount of homeless people, the homelessness, the rate of homeless that were not only living on the streets, but moving into hotels that were right next to residential neighborhoods with small children in strollers being pushed by their moms, worried that they might run over poop. And normally that's dog poop. But in this pandemic, it's been human feces. It's absolutely disgusting. Everybody enjoy your appetizer before dinner tonight. And, and, and you're right about that, actually, Julie. I The scene I was describing before was on the west side. And I used to live on the west side. And it was just a, a beautiful place to live. And now it, it's, it, it's a shadow, a shell of itself. And I know about people like you moving out and going out to the suburbs because Twice in the past three months, my wife and I have put bids in on houses. We're looking to get a bigger house in the same neighborhood where we are in New Jersey. We just, you know, the, the family gets bigger and we just <laughs> we're running out of room, it feels like. And both times we thought we were at the finish line as far as the owner accepting the bid. And then somebody from both times, New York, comes in like a hundred, two hundred thousand above asking 
with cash and they take the deal from us. So you're not alone. And I, we have plenty of friends that have already moved out and have gone to the Connecticut's and, and New Jersey's of the world. Are, are you going to miss it? You think I know, I know it's the hellhole, but at the same time, the suburbs can be a little quiet and getting a good meal can be challenging sometimes. So uh, where are you at? Connecticut, Jersey, uh, Long Island? Well, actually, Southampton. So not too shabby. I'm not going to lie. But I I will say this. In the winter months, it's very quiet. I do need the energy. I do need the city. And thank God I work in New York City. And, you know, actually, it's actually become a blessing because now I leave the husband and kids out in Southampton and I come and stay here by myself. So I'm not going to (laughs) say that I'm too upset about it and I still get to enjoy the city and I can't wait till our next mayor so that they can actually clean it up. Eric Adams, right? Most likely that that will be uh, Curtis Sliwa. I just don't see uh, pulling off the upset. <laughs> exactly. We're talking to Julie Vanderas, Fox News Channel anchor. Are they going to send a car for you out in Southampton or uh, if you have to say come in and do outnumbered or come in and fill in on one of the daytime uh, news shows like America's Newsroom or do you have to like do that commute yourself? Well, I actually have been driving myself, and since I moved to the suburbs, interestingly enough, oh, I hate the word suburbs, by the way, because I, I am not a suburban-type mom You're at, at the ocean. all. Yeah. Yeah, we do have the ocean, so let's just, I'm just going to pretend that I live on a boat, but I don't. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I have been driving back and forth. I had to buy a second vehicle, so this pandemic has cost me a fortune because I've been you know, just going back and forth. I had to buy a second car. Obviously I can't strand my family out there while I'm driving two hours and I park it in the garage and I'm going to be soon living in a hotel instead of in my apartment because I mean, I don't live here full time anymore. But you're but getting yeah, a lot more. I mean, Fox yeah. has helped me out a lot. Sure, sure have. They're, they're very good about that. Uh, you have been on more a lot. You, you, uh, something is happening now, and I'm talking from a media analyst perspective. It seems that Gutfeld, you've become kind of a cult favorite, and and getting a lot more opportunities there. And it's funny because you're an anchor, and as anchors, you know, you're supposed to just give who, what, when, where, why, how, and here's here's what happened, uh, and then toss to a reporter or do an interview with a pundit, like an opinion guy like me, uh, but stay neutral. But a must be so uh, emancipating, if that's the right word here, uh, to go on a show like Gutfeld and, and just show off your personality because you've been doing that a lot more lately and they may make you a co-host at this point. I love being able to tell people how I feel. And so I've been bottling that up for years. It comes out every so often. I think, you know, it first crept out way, way back um, in my early years. I think it was 2006 when I when I for the leader of the Westboro Baptist Church, a new, I can't say that word on here either. But anyway, um, so that was kind of like the beginning. But as a news person, I really am not supposed to be doing that. I am not an opinion journalist. I am not one of their conservative or democratic liberal, you know, um, strategists. So I do try to stay and remain uh, neutral. But I will say on Gutfeld, I try not to get as political as I just basically pretend I'm sitting at a bar, which Greg has told me that's what he wants from me, which comes naturally. So (laughs) I'm able to go on there. And as all my friends know, my entire career, my friends watch me on the news and they're like, who is that person? Because you are not that like you are not that person. And then my humor comes out. I have a very sarcastic way of communicating um, that I have suppressed for years. But on Gutfeld, I'm just letting it rip. And I mean, Greg loves it. And I guess apparently the viewers think I'm funny. I I don't see myself as a comedian. I just see myself as being real. And I say exactly what's on my mind. And sometimes it's really inappropriate. Um, I actually, uh, I think I'm the the one that got the most bleeps in one of their episodes since they launched the show, if that gives you any idea. 
Congratulations but, um, yeah, on that. Nice. Yeah, no, I know. I'm pretty uh, proud of it. You know, it's no Emmy, but it's it's an accomplishment. Well, shut the front door, as I like to say in these situations. We're talking to Julie Banderas. Uh, yeah, I can attest to the bar thing. I've bumped into you once or twice at the uh, Del Frisco's, that uh, the home of the seventeen dollar uh, bourbon, uh, which which is an incredible place. You and Mercedes, I think, go there for once or twice time to time, and uh, it's it's a good thing. We got to blow off some steam, particularly when you have kids. How old are yours these days? My kids are five, eight, and eleven. Wow. Mine are six and yeah. eight. I don't have the third because then you're playing zone at that point. That, that's what my wife and I figured. Uh, and now she wants me to get a visectomy. Uh, you, you think I go ahead and, and, and do this? Uh, do you know of men who have done this? Will it be painful? Uh, what, 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 how do I handle this exactly? Can I just t- wait? What do you have? A boy and a girl? Boy and a girl. So yeah. Fun. So it worked out perfectly. Oh, so you're kind of done. OK, because yeah. I'm like a baby pusher. Um, and I like to encourage people with two to get three. I'm not sure why I want to wish that kind of hell on anyone, but it is actually, it, it, I'm telling you, a lot of people that are on the fence about having three and they've got two, I always say it's the greatest. I mean, honestly, I need a crew to take care of me when I'm old. So like the more, the better. That's a good point. So yeah, but they are expensive. So there's that, but I, I would, I would say mm, vasectomy. Why can't you just have like a, IUD put in her. I mean, vasectomy seems a bit extreme. See, that's why I was. At. That's I why I want to talk to you about this. I got to come back with like other options. Well, honey, I was talking to Julie before. Who's Julie? Don't worry about it. Just a friend at work, and she said that you should get this. And then I, I can see what the, the response is at that point because you know, let's say she gets. You know, unfortunately, she's jo- she's a big jogger. She she was a runner at Georgetown. Let's say she's out running, and then you know, a blimp crashes and and, and on her. And then uh, let's say I meet then the thirty year old, you know, Plan B, and then she wants to have kids. I don't know if I want to put myself in that position where I can't provide uh, my, my super sperm in that situation. Holy crap. Um, does she listen to the show? No, I of course not. not. Yeah. For your own sake and for your manhood. <laughs> She's working. You won't need a vasectomy if she listens to this. She'll take care of it for you right there. Good point. Um, I still think, you know, I know that these surgical procedures are reversible, which oh. I suppose is kind of comforting. I think mm. they are. Um, she could also have her tubes tied. So how about you turn it on her? Oh, no, but you know what? She pushed out two kids. So that's not a, that's unfair. Yeah. You can't expect her to go surgical when you didn't have to do anything except for enjoy yourself for like, what was that, two minutes? Uh, yeah, so, something. Well, yeah. well, well, no, 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 no. Come on. Eight. Oh, sorry. We talked oh, about I this. Apologize. Yes. Anyway, uh, we're going <laughs> sideways. Uh, I once interviewed Julie Banderas, who we're speaking to right now. And this is way back when I interviewed uh, you and uh, I believe it was uh, S.E. Uh, Cup uh, about wearing glasses on the air. And it was a great story that you shared that you wore glasses one time. And I think this was why maybe you didn't have your contacts with you or, or for whatever reason you wore it on the air. It wasn't with Fox News. I think it was Fox 5, uh, which is a local New York affiliate here. And you got overwhelming positive responses on it. Uh, do you still go with the glasses? I think I have seen them from time to time. And would you be blind without them? Because I believe you would be. I'm Helen Keller without oh. them. Like, honestly. <laughs> and and I that's by choice. Like, I could get LASIK surgery, but like I say to my friends, there are a lot of things I don't want to see, and so I can edit it all. Like, for example, pushing out three kids. I didn't see one of them come out because I took my glasses off. But... Um, also, before I get in the shower, like, I don't need to see that. So glasses come off. But when I was at Fox 5, I, in fact, went to work with contact lenses my first day. And then one day I forgot my contacts or maybe my eyes were tired or dry, whatever. I went in to work with these black rimmed plastic glasses. My news director loved them so much that he said, for now on, I want this to be your look. And you are not to come into work without them ever again. Wow. That was a three-year contract. I once came in without them. He sent me home to go back and get my glasses. So I wasn't allowed on the air with them. Then I came over to Fox News Channel in 2005. This is really dating. me. So 2002, 
three years of Fox 5, came to Fox 5, from Fox 5 to Fox News Channel, and I met with Roger Ailes, and I was wearing glasses. And he's like, take your glasses off. And I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm not going to be able to see you through this interview. This is going to be awkward. But I took them off, and he's like, yeah, you need to get rid of the glasses. Why are you covering up your eyes? You, you should not be wearing glasses again. You can connect with the viewer better, whatever. So then the entire rest of that interview was out without glasses, so I was probably looking at him cross-eyed. And then I walked out and got the job. Fortunately, I put my glasses back on because I would have stumbled out the door because uh, I literally cannot see past my nose. Like, a, I am blind. That is a great story. And, and you mentioned you came here uh, to Fox News Channel 2005, so 16 years here. We have a 25th anniversary uh, going on right now. It's like Hanukkah. It's like eight crazy nights. I think it started last week, but uh, I'm still seeing all these uh, promos and ads for it. Uh, so when you look back on your time here at Fox, what is the one thing that stands out to you the most in terms of your decision, your career decision to come here? It's funny because the women of uh, Fox newsletter just came out and they asked me this exact question. I say the best part about working at Fox people I work with. Um, I think that the women who I work with are amazing women in our network actually build each other up and support each other. I've come from a long history of being in this business. I mean, I don't know. I stopped counting after 16, but it's been over 20 or ish. Um, which I'm only 30, so I started this business. At 10 years old, wow. You're like the Doogie Howser of broadcasting. I was gifted and talented, but unfortunately, you know, the gifted and talented (laughs) program, if I was here in New York City at that age, I wouldn't have probably made it to Fox News Channel. But anyway, yeah, so um, where was I? Oh, right, so Fox News Channel employees, coworkers, my best friends in the world, and I mean the head of field operations, Scott Wilder, He was my photographer when I first started at Fox News back in 2005. I covered Terry Schiavo. I literally lived in um, Florida for three weeks covering that whole case. And we became best friends. And then it came to my wedding day many, many years later. And he facilitated recording and setting up live web videos so that my father, who was ailing, you know, and could not attend my wedding in Connecticut, could actually watch my wedding. And in my wedding were three Fox employees, my maid of honor, another uh, uh, bridesmaid and a male producer who walked my mother down the aisle. Wow. Like these are my best friends for life. My, all my best friends, came from Fox News. And that's so the amazing I, thing. I, I look at other networks and I see like you know, CNN, like the only person from 25 years ago is probably Wolf Blitzer, uh, even like on or off camera. But you see all the people that have been here for 25 years, 16 years, 15, 10 years. And the loyalty is there because, hey, yeah, it's good to be at a number one network, but also of the camaraderie and, and, and the friendship that people have built. I, I just joined last year. I was a guest for a while, but yeah, I, I'm already seeing it. It's, it's an awesome place to work and, and you're an awesome guest and, and hopefully we could do this again sometime. But unfortunately, we are out of time. Uh, I'm going to leave it here, Julie. We'll leave it on a light note. I say this name and you tell me instantly what comes to mind in 20 seconds. Katie Couric. It's funny. She actually has canceled herself, which I think (laughs) I believe in the cancel culture is a first. So congratulations, Katie Couric, for canceling yourself. You didn't have to let the rest of the world cancel you for you. Perfect ending. Julie Banderas, Fox News Channel anchor, a regular on Gutfeld. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Jules. All right. Have a good weekend. See ya. Back with more of the Guy Benson Show in just a moment. You're listening to a new generation of talk. Generation of talk. Guy Benson. 
New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Hi, welcome back to the Guy Benson Show. I'm Joe Concha filling in for the greats. Mr. Benson, we're both Devils fans, which is kind of our common bond. Devils have won, I think, one playoff game in nine years. So we don't want to talk about hockey, though, of course, on this show, but share that anyway. Hey, look, I, I want to play this one soundbite here, and it comes from Joe Manchin. It's cut 14 in the control room, and he is sticking to his guns. We, we see and hear so much about Kristen Cinema because obviously of the harassment, but again, all it takes is one Democratic senator to completely flush this thing down the toilet and in september they couldn't pass anything and nothing even got to the floor of course but now uh even october nancy pelosi has a deadline of halloween for another vote to be held and you just don't see anything changing or moving why would it time usually makes things worse not better in these situations but let's hear from the senator from west virginia cut 14 go i've been very clear when it comes to who we are as as a society who we are as a nation and why we are still the hope of the world i don't believe that we should turn our society into an entitlement society. I think that we should still be a compassionate, rewarding society. Don't believe we should turn our society into an entitlement society. So here's the thing. You say, okay, what are Democrats now doing in order to get this bill passed? And they say, okay, we're going to cut the cost down and try to get it down to a number that Manchin likes. But that's not going to do it because the plan is that AOC revealed is that, okay, we'll just cut the terms of all these entitlement programs. So let's say we do free community college for 10 years, then we'll make it five. And hey, we just cut that price in half. And they're going to do that with everything across the board, whether whether it's universal pre-K or perhaps, I don't know, the uh, there's a tree equity program. Maybe we cut down the years on that because that's $7.5 billion. So, all right, we'll make it five years and make it uh, $4 billion and maybe Manchin will accept that. No, no. As, as they're going to have to start cutting programs out of it. And progressives have shown they have no inclination to compromise on that whatsoever, and particularly the climate change stuff that's in there. So I think Manchin, being from, you know, a coal state, uh, isn't going to go on board with this just because of some gimmick that says, okay, if we cut the term, therefore we cut the cost, you're going to have to cut the programs. And once the programs start getting cut, progressives will revolt. And that's the end of it. So this thing ain't getting passed one way or another. Joe Concha filling in for Guy Benson. Who do we got next hour, Christine? Marsha Blackburn. Marsha Blackburn, the senator. She was down at the border. And she's going to report back to us on that, plus her fight against Facebook. That's next. Stick around. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. It's 5 o'clock in the most powerful city in the world, Washington, D.C. It's time for the Guy Benson Show Happy Hour, sponsored by the Finnish Long Drink. Finland's most popular alcoholic beverage has come to America. Visit thelongdrink.com. And now, here's your host, Guy Benson. And good afternoon, everybody. How are you today? Joe Kaja filling in for Guy Benson and the worst... Mad Dog Russo imitation you have ever heard on radio. Actually, Dan, the new guy here, that wasn't too bad, right? I think it was pretty good. Not at all. It was fantastic. I ah, like it. All right. Uh, I mean, uh, if you're the Giants, you got to be Colorado. Twitter whiskey. I always say Colorado with like three L's. Colorado. 
What am I doing to this poor show? Guy, I swear, I won't do that again. I am Joe Concha. I'm a Fox News contributor and media and politics columnist for The Hill. Thehill.com, thehill.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Concha TV. I want to talk to, you know, I said, my producer, Christine, my producer for the day anyway, she said, all right, got 50 senators you want to talk to. Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? I said, get me Blackburn. All right. Get me Marsha. All right. Get me Tennessee. One of my favorite college songs of all time, by the way, because this is somebody who is actually working. All right. Not like Pete Buttigieg. Wait, how do you say his name again? Am I pronouncing that right? Edge. Edge. Right. Edge. Edge. Okay. That's that's how you say it. Where he was on maternity leave for the last two months while a supply chain crisis was exploding or Kamala Harris when members of of the administration are down in Mexico talking about the border, including the Secretary of State. For whatever reason, the vice president didn't join, and she's the, you know, borders are. So I like to talk to people who are actually working, who are actually trying to get things done and make this country a better place. And that is Senator Marsha Blackburn. That is probably the best intro you've ever received, Senator. Admit it. <laughs> oh, it is. Absolutely it is. And I'm delighted to to talk with you. And yes, you know, I was beginning to say, where's Secretary Pete? We've got all of these issues on the supply chain and he's nowhere to be found. And so finally they start to talk about where he is and we find out he's been on leave for the past two months. And, you know, in the meantime, think about all the small businesses that are going to go out of business because they don't have supplies. And they're not making enough to pay their rent. And they're just going to have to shut their doors through no fault of their own. Could it be, uh, Senator uh, Senator Marsha Blackburn, Tennessee Republican, that perhaps Secretary Pete, formerly Mayor Pete, may not have the wherewithal uh, mentally to solve this problem when you consider that South Bend is a city of 100,000 people and the uh, <laughs> entity that he's currently running, Transportation, has nearly 60,000 employees, a budget of $100 billion, which is probably slightly higher than it is in South Bend. And South Bend had a small or has a small regional airport, uh, one train station, and a bus fleet of 60 buses. And then he was tapped to be the the secretary of, of transportation is he as qualified for this job as hunter biden i mean is that what we're looking at at this point that this was just a hey thanks for you know endorsing me during the campaign i'm going to give you this job that you have no experience in whatsoever it doesn't exactly inspire confidence it doesn't inspire confidence and when you look at the qualifications for a job like this you do expect to have someone who has expertise in federal systems and regulations and logistics and knows how, whether you're talking about roadways, runways, railways, or rivers, they understand the complexity of those systems because they've been working in that and and dealing with it. But overall, with the Biden administration, Joe, they don't want people who are independent thinkers and who are skilled at their craft. You've got a small cabal behind the curtain that are calling all the shots. They send the president out to say what he's going to say. They want cabinet members who are going to do what they tell them needs to be done. So basically, they're position fillers, order takers that are going to do what they're told to do. They're not skilled, independent free thinkers. 
and not competent, apparently. And that's per the American people, right? I've seen two polls now where a majority of Americans don't think that – take the president out of the equation. Obviously, he's the, at the top. But that the Biden administration is not competent enough to run the government. And, and that's the, the type of impression that's very hard to undo. We're talking to Senator Marsha Blackburn, Republican Tennessee. I'm going to turn you into a reporter right now. You're going to be a member of the media for a couple of minutes here, Senator, because you were just down at the border. Can you report back now to the American people what you saw and what needs to be done? In other words, if you were president or you were head of DHS, what would you do to fix this problem? But first, describe the problem as you saw it firsthand. What I saw was a lot of chaos and confusion. Uh, Border Patrol, who wants to do their job, but the administration will not let them do their job. They are grateful that the Texas Department of Public Security is stepping up and helping there on the border, as is the National Guard, because what we have is every state being a border state, every town becoming a border town because of this open border. And what I heard was great concern over the humanitarian and health care crisis that is taking place on the border and a lot of fear about what is happening with the criminal element that is coming across that border. People are very concerned, very concerned about the what is coming through the border with drugs, with disease, with what is happening with gangs, not knowing who is coming into the country. We have already apprehended terrorists at our southern border. We've apprehended people from 150 different countries, and that does not include the gotaways, the people that we do not know. The Border Patrol will tell you this is a fixable issue. Every rancher, property owner, local elected official, sheriff, they will all tell you this is fixable. The first thing that needs to happen is build a wall. The second thing that needs to happen is put Remain in Mexico back in place. End catch and release. Make certain that people that you are capturing, the smugglers, the drug dealers, that they are going to court. Don't make it easy on them. Get them to court quickly and then allow for enforcements and penalties. And as one of the border agents told me, Joe, he said so many times these smugglers are U.S. citizens Hmm. and they are getting federal government benefits living in federal They are waiting to take this person to court. You know, they arrest them, they book them, they cite them, uh, they get bail, they get out of court, and they're living in government housing, getting government benefits. And they said, why can't you stall their benefits once we have apprehended them and have caught them in the act of smuggling? There ought to be a way that they cannot get government benefits. And we're seeing, and we were talking to Senator Marsha Blackburn, uh, Washington Post report today, the Biden administration is prepared to re-implement the Trump-era border policy known as Migrant Protection Protocols in mid-November. It's basically a uh, remain in Mexico policy. If the Mexican government agrees to accept the return of asylum seekers to its territory, the government told a federal court Thursday in a late-night filing. So it looks like now, finally, 
perhaps, and this won't happen until November, of course, so you'll have another 200, 250,000 uh, migrants illegally entering the country, that the Biden administration is starting to embrace maybe a little bit of the Trump policy, the one that was successful that you were talking about, but the wall is off limits and they're not going to continue construction on that. So what has to happen moving forward? Is is this the first sign maybe of the Biden administration finally realizing that what was working under the Trump administration can work under their administration or will they continue to allow this to happen? You know, Joe, I think that it is an admission that they know they've got a problem at the border. I was really surprised to hear that. And let's hope that they do move forward with putting Remain in Mexico in place, because this is a travesty at that border. Now, that's not enough. They need that physical barrier. One of the agents told me that they've been asking for this for about 30 years, and it's frustrating that they can't get it. So let's see what is actually going to end up happening as they look at the border, look at remain in Mexico. And for goodness sakes, they need to end catch and release. Individuals are released into the country. They don't show back up many times for their court appearance uh, or it is put off uh, two or three years. So this is something that needs closer attention. And I'm one of those in Congress that's going to continue to work on the issue. And another issue you've been working on, and we're talking to Senator Marsha Blackburn, Republican Tennessee, is What's going on with Facebook and Instagram? And, you know, everybody talks about how Washington is broken and there is no bipartisan X, Y, Z in terms of solving this problem. But we are seeing it in terms of you working with Democratic senators as far as the way Facebook and Instagram are conducting themselves. I I think that Americans sitting at home saying, all right, those hearings are great and, and, you know, they're, they're really compelling. But in the end... Will these companies, because they've become so powerful, ever be broken up? Uh, will, will Section 230 ever be actually uh, changed or, or even uh, eliminated? Are there, is there any hope that these social media companies, and I know you only got about 90 seconds, uh, can be reined in or even broken up? Is, the, is there the wherewithal to do that? Or are they just so powerful that even the government is less, isn't powerful enough to, to do something about it? Right. I've been on this issue for 12 years. Here's what is finally beginning to happen, is that public opinion is such that it is forcing the Democrats to work with Republicans who have tried for years to pass online privacy, data security. Uh, We've tried for years. I've had the bill nearly four years that would reform Section 230. And there is so much public pressure now Joe, watch out. The Democrats are going to try to jump in front of this and say, hey, look at us. We did it. No, they had to be drug to this issue, drug to it, and um, put, in, put in place by the American people saying, no, my information is my information, and big tech does not have the right to data mine me without my permission. Well, it's good to see that Instagram at least announced that it's shelving its plans for, for Instagram kids. That's one less thing for me as a father uh, to certainly worry about. And uh, you're, you're doing great work there because now we're, we're talking about human lives now at this point, particularly as it pertains uh, to teen girls and, and Instagram and Facebook has all these resources and billions in revenues and profit and, and, and not doing enough. So, uh, Senator, I know you got to go. We appreciate your efforts on the border and on social media. And it's good to see that there are some folks in Washington actually working and, and not taking long weekends or going 
going on uh, months long maternity leaves uh, when there's serious problems that need addressing. Thanks so much for joining the Guy Benson Show. Friday afternoon. Thanks, Joe. Bye bye. Right. Right. Enjoy your weekend. Go Vols. Go Vols. Vols are the uh, college football team in Tennessee, as as we know. Uh, the state school, anyway. Memphis has a decent team, I think. Even though I don't know they're very good this year. I've always wanted to go to Tennessee, Christine. I've I've heard. Great things about the eastern part of the state and particularly the mountains there. Nashville is a city I've never been to that I've I have a feeling you've been there. I have been to Nashville actually as a child. Oh. So I haven't been to the party scene of Nashville, but yeah. I went to the Grand Old Opry when I when I was young. Okay. I could see like young adult single Christine going to Nashville and that being like the greatest like girls weekend ever. Yeah, how I didn't is beyond me. I was too busy over in South Beach. Right, of course. All right, so there was a trip of of that sort that that did go on. Oh, there were many and don't forget Cancun. I'll take your eight-year-old if you like. could probably get along with my eight-year-old and uh, then you get away for a week and have some fun, right? Why not? I think my husband, it has to be with him, I think. He he wouldn't allow you to go. I see my my wife wants to do those things. I I, I bless her a hundred times over because then I have a card to play. Remember when I let you go to Nashville, honey, for the weekend? Guess who's going to Vegas for the Final Four? I have so many friends, like couples, that they do that with each other. Yeah. Like, you see the husband, like, yeah, go, 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 go. And then all of a sudden, uh, I'm going to London for that football game, you know, yeah. with the boys. And it's a back and forth. My husband and I don't really do that. We, we, we would like to go away together. Okay. What's the next trip? Sunday. Two. South Beach. Ah, ah, okay. I got a restaurant I'm going to recommend to you. Oh, please get off. do. Please do. Yeah, Prime 23 or something. I'll have to look it up. Anyway, uh, I'm being told we have to break because we got to pay some bills. Back with more of The Guy Benson Show in just a moment. You're listening to a new generation of talk. Generation of talk. Guy Benson. See from the Fox News Podcasts Network. Download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. I heard Ashley Dvorkin's report on the many saints of Newark, and I, I, I haven't watched a movie in full, I want to say in six months, which is incredible, Christine, right? Because it's like, I, you know, I... I don't go to movie theaters. I didn't even before COVID for some reason. I used to. Then you have kids and there is no going to movie theaters unless you go see Toy Story 4, which is the last movie that I saw in a movie theater, which is actually halfway decent, you know. But I want to go see the the new Bond movie because I think that Daniel Craig, you want to talk about a franchise that was flailing, that was just cheesy and horrible. And with all due respect to Pierce Brosnan, right? I watched the Pierce Brosnan Bond recently. It was so, I almost said it, bad. You have no idea. I stopped myself. You're about to dump out. I know. Oh, really? And and what'd you think of it? I liked it a lot. Guy had some lesser views of it, but I liked it a lot. I did actually like the Pierce Brosnan movies, not that uh, kind of a, a little bit. Right. Um, but Daniel Craig definitely took it to a next level, and it's, they were awesome. I love all of them. Kind of like how Bale, Christian Bale took the Batmans to a new level, right? And, and they, they reinvented it. And made it cool again. Yeah, it's actually action. It's not just kind of like a corny, you know, sort of thing. It's like you watch it, and this is an action kind of thriller movie. And I remember, I'm old enough to remember, when Craig was first uh, chosen. And I want to say the first Craig movie was Casino Royale, right? And everybody's like, we can't have a blonde Bond. Well, why not? You know? I mean, they have to have dark hair. 
come on, Timothy Dalton, they all got to look like him, right? I, and I don't remember Roger Moore being all that dark-haired either. He had like a brown thing going on. But yeah, between Daniel Craig and Christian Bale, I mean, the Batmans and the Bonds are great. So I'm going to see that. But the, the, the Many Saints of Newark was good. Not great. But then again, everybody has a problem. How much time do I have here? About uh, 30 seconds, a minute, a minute and a half? A minute and a half. Okay, good. I could go into this. Everybody hated the ending of The Sopranos, right? Not me. I thought it was perfect. I loved it. Because they went to black, right? And then everybody says, well, Tony must have been killed. Tony wasn't killed. I'll tell you why Tony wasn't killed. The whole scene sets up of what's going on in his mind, right? Where's my daughter? My daughter's late, right? Uh, my, my son's here. He's always been a disappointment. My wife's here. Do I love her? Do I, I guess maybe I do, maybe I don't. Looking around the room, hey, that guy in the members-only jacket, uh, is he an assassin? Who's that guy over there that just walked in, right? It's this constant turmoil that's going on in Tony's mind. That was the whole point of the show, right? That he never could quite ever relax, can ever just have peace in his own mind, right? So when it goes to black... All that is, is Tony now has to live with this existence for the rest of his life. And even going to Dr. Melfi couldn't change that. Killing off Tony, it would have meant nothing. What is that supposed to tell me then? Right? What, what is the point? Like Chase was so much deeper than just all the whacking and everything that was going on, all the killing in the show. It was a psychological show in essence. And that's when it goes to black, all it is is like, okay, that's life. Tony's life continues. And then and, and that's the end of it. What do you think? I thought at the time my husband was who was my boyfriend back then forgot to pay the cable bill and yeah. it went out oh really oh, a lot of people thought their tvs went out right well what happened and i watched it and i didn't know what was going on either i'm like ah that's good just like the russian was never caught in the woods like why don't they resolve that you know maybe he's the one who killed somebody. some things in life that just don't have a simple nice neat closing wow right? all right i still think he was killed okay very good speaking of neat closings that's the end of this particular segment thank you christine for your input back with more in a moment who we got coming up in 10 seconds five stick around welcome back to the guy benson show joe concha filling in for guy on this friday afternoon the greatest time of the year particularly here in the east coast we got perfect weather it's not too hot not too cold the leaves are starting to change and then this weekend if you're a sports nut like me you get everything you get the major league baseball playoffs basically the final four is what we're at now at this point you also have college football you have the nfl you got the nhl i mean I have four TVs in my Fortress of Solitude, my basement, for a reason, believe me. So this will be incredible. I know that uh, Tim also, Tim Murtaugh, who joins me next, is a bit of a sports fan himself. The former communications director for President Donald Trump, also a principal at Line Drive, LLC. Timmy, how are you, man? I'm doing well, Joe. Happy to be with you. Yeah, you're right about the weather. This is I'm in the D.C. area. This is about the uh, four or five days where the weather is actually acceptable. All year long. <laughs> As a former University of Maryland Terp, I, I can tell you I once had to take a summer course because I had transferred from Emerson to Maryland, so I was trying to make up credits. And the summer I spent in Washington, there's no breeze. At least in Boston, I get a breeze. In New York, I get a breeze. Washington is just stagnant. So I know what you mean. It's it's either too hot or then it gets too cold. And this is the time of year. But do want to talk to you about Brandon and everybody now. I think I wonder if now if Brandon is going to be a name that explodes across the country, you know, because it's just it's everywhere. I'm watching Giants Dodgers last night and in San Francisco, one of the most liberal, if not the most liberal town city in the country. And I'm seeing a let's let's go Brandon sign. Tell us what let's go Brandon means and what it means to you, Tim. 
Well, I think it's it's really funny how it has absolutely swept the nation. We're all familiar with, most of us are, with the chants that were running rampant in college stadiums and uh, NASCAR races and, and other large gatherings where they were using an expletive. You know, F. Joe Biden was the chant that a lot of the college kids were doing. Uh, and then that happened at the end of the uh, the Talladega race, the NASCAR race, uh, last week, when the winner, Brandon Brown, the driver who won the race, was being interviewed by an NBC reporter, and the crowd was chanting the uh, the obscene Joe Biden chant. And the NBC reporter, trying to cover up, I guess, for Joe Biden, said, well, you hear them, Brandon, they're chanting, they're chanting your name. They're saying, let's go, Brandon, which, of course, was not what they were saying. <laughs> Tim, and, we have uh, such great producers here. We actually have that clip. Go ahead. Roll it. As you can hear the chants from the the crowd. Let's go, Brandon. So it's obvious what she was doing, covering up. And uh, so that has taken off. Let's go, Brandon, has has taken on the meaning of just a different way to mock Joe Biden. And Fox News has actually uh, featured, I work as well with Getter.com, a new social media site. And over these college football games, we've flown a big airplane banner that says, let's go, Brandon, join Getter.com. So, and I think everyone is in on the joke and it has really taken off. Wow, that's genius. Yeah, I'm from Jersey and actually it was... Was at I believe a, a Jets game last week where uh, we heard that chant happening as well, and I'm like, wait a minute, Deep Blue, New Jersey. It's so it's not just the South. It's not just you know the college football stadiums down there, but the, this thing is certainly expanding. And I think it is reflective of the struggles that the president's having right now. I mean, I, I look at the big issues, right? And I think Donald Trump, up until COVID, which any president, you get hit with something as unprecedented like that, something we've never seen in our lifetimes and may never see again. Up until that point, you had a strong economy, the strongest we've ever had. We were at peace abroad and we had people working. We The unemployment rate was 3.5%. I mean, unthinkable numbers, wages going up, companies coming back and opening factories in our own country, remain in Mexico working well in terms of the border. I mean, there wasn't too many things you could point to with Donald Trump outside of mean tweets where you say, boy, things, if you take away the noise and just look at the performance, things were going very, very well. And now we see with Joe Biden, I look at this objectively. I really do. And I say, okay, how are we doing on economy? We're missing jobs expectations in terms of the monthly reports. 500,000 in August, 300,000 in September. We're missing on those jobs and people just aren't coming back to work. Then I look at crime skyrocketing across the country. There is a massive exodus out of San Francisco and New York like we've never seen before. People don't want to live in these cities anymore because it's getting too expensive. It is too expensive and it's not safe. You look at Afghanistan, the border, education and there is not one major win, not one thing that's going well for this president right now and I wonder and I know this is way out and you know you don't have a crystal ball, magic eight ball, but do you see a scenario where it's like 1980 where we have a Teddy Kennedy, Jim, Jimmy Carter type of situation where Carter was primaried almost got beat and in this case, if Biden runs again, and a lot of people don't think that's going to happen, but let's say he does, could you see a major primary challenge happening, particularly if the spending bill doesn't get passed and him actually getting ousted as the Democratic nominee? I mean, I think it's entirely possible that he could be primary. You're absolutely right, because look at I mean, look, just look at the anger from the left wing, which is in control of the Democratic Party these days. I mean, there's no secret of that, how angry they are. And if they are not able to get through these giant, irresponsible, massive socialist spending bills, and they look at Joe Biden as the failure that he is for the rest of the country, but if they look at him as the guy who failed to get their priorities through, 
Uh, I think you're going to see great pressure on someone uh, from the left flank to primary him. I think that that is entirely plausible. That is, of course, as you said, if he stands for re-election uh, himself. But, you know, uh, just speaking uh, as from the perspective of what's happening to the entire country, I think anybody would be really hard-pressed to point to anything that has gone right for Joe Biden. And I think the, the worst, the worst example of it is what is the things that he has done purposely, like his energy policies. On his first day in office, he canceled the Keystone Pipeline, right? And he has been absolutely hostile to domestic production, and he completely squandered the energy independence that President Trump has gotten us to. And so what has he left to do? He's put in the embarrassing situation of begging OPEC to increase production. And, of course, they refused. And now he's gone hat in hand to the oil and gas companies here in this country and asked them to do something about prices when they are the very companies that he has demonized all along. And it's, it's contributing to inflation. It's contributing to the price of eggs and milk and bread and meat going up at the grocery store. And then you have the White House chief of staff who's quote tweeting a Harvard economist saying that, oh, these are high class problems. Like regular people don't have to deal with it. This, this is a president who's just turned his back on the American people. He's a complete and utter failure. Isn't that amazing with Ron Klain, and we're talking to Tim Murtaugh, the principal at Line Drive LLC, at Line Drive LLC. You can follow on Twitter, obviously, also the former communications director for President Donald Trump. Yet the Ron Klain tweet, retweet, where he basically puts two fingers pointing down at it like this, he says, I totally agree that this is a rich person's problem, inflation. I can't think of a more tone-deaf thing to do when inflation, core inflation's at a 30-year high right now because you go to the gas station. I went two days ago. It used to cost me $30 to put uh, gas into my 15-year-old uh, Acura TL, right? My, my car got stolen last year. Long story. So this is like the, the, the backup to the backup. And then I go to the food store to, to pick up some food for my family and it, it's a good 40% higher. Like I, I got the, I got it. I couldn't believe what the bill was. And then if, if I'm somebody who doesn't own a home, unfortunately I do, but then my rents are going up as well, if I'm one of those folks as well, this is all low and middle class people. It's impacting. And when Jen Psaki is asked about it, of course, she can't answer for it. In other words, is this the White House position right now that this is a rich person's problem? Of course it's not. So that's the thing, the messaging. You talked about the self-inflicted wounds. The messaging from this White House in terms of selling this bill, for example, and actually having the audacity to insult our intelligence by saying this will cost the American taxpayer zero dollars while reducing the debt and lowering taxes. That was utterly ridiculous. Ridiculous. Blaming Republicans for defunding the police. That was utterly ridiculous. And we're just seeing it time after time. It's self-inflicted. This isn't just a matter of, well, conditions on the ground change and this is a tough presidency and a lot of tough luck. No, this is all on them. And I wonder now, as Donald Trump sits back and watches this, your old boss, if he's just salivating to jump back in. Selfishly, I don't want him to run because that would mean CNN and MSNBC would get some of their viewers back because I love watching them struggle right now, Tim. I mean, they're down at CNN. 80% since the beginning of the year. And you used to go on that network a lot and, and, and get into it with the Chris Cuomo's of the world. Have you been on lately? Uh, no, no. And Cuomo, I did, I did get into it with Chris Cuomo one time and he never had me back. Uh, so, but I, you know, I look, I think if I had to bet today, I would bet that Donald Trump does win or does run. Yeah. I think that, uh, he sees what Joe Biden is doing, and it makes it even more appealing to get back in there and, and fight. Because think about all these things that we've just been talking about <clears throat> that have gone wrong for Joe Biden and, and detrimental to this country. And all of this is happening, and he hasn't yet succeeded in raising taxes like he wants to. 
And if that happens, things are going to get even worse. And you talk about gasoline prices and how it's affecting inflation and all that stuff and the White House messaging. Jen Psaki two weeks ago was asked about that, and she said, well, sure, we want to keep gas prices low. That would be ideal. But the climate crisis, that just can't wait anymore. So effectively, she's saying, look, our policies are doing what we intended them to do. We knew gas prices would go up. That's the idea, right? And then a week later, she said, I think she realized that her messaging was off there. And and so so she sort of softened it a little bit. And she said, well, of course, people are impacted by rising gas prices, but it's not happening everywhere in the country. Well, that's a lie. Gas prices are up in all 50 states. That's just it's absolutely untrue. And not even a and little bit. Right. Have, They're up as much as 60 percent almost in Alabama and Michigan and something like the low. The low end is 38 percent in California. So, yes, yeah, she just gets up there and, and, and she lies. It's, it's, it's remarkable. Yet yeah, I think in your former communications director, I think she's the face of the administration because we rarely see the president. He never takes almost never takes questions. Right. He, he runs off the stage like uh, uh, Eckler, the, the running back from the Chargers. They're very, very fast. Like he runs. I've never seen him move so quickly than he's done doing a speech and then runs from reporters' questions. And then Kamala Harris, she'll find Jimmy Hoffa before you find Kamala Harris in front of a microphone. But I think Jen Psaki is the front and center face of this administration. Is that a good thing? Uh, well, no, not when she's got to go out there and try to put lipstick on these on these pig policies that they've got. I mean, it's really terrible. And then to have to, to try to sell the idea to the American people that these are these are problems that only affect rich people. No, no in fact, rich people are the only ones who are not affected. They don't care if gas goes up by a dollar a gallon. It doesn't really matter to they them. They can absorb so much. it. But for, for low to moderate income people, it, 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 it matters a lot. And you mentioned Biden walking off and not taking any questions. What a perfect image. What, what a perfect impression he is lasting. He is, he's giving uh, to the American people a lasting impression. Because when he turns around abruptly and scurries away from the podium, he's, he's turned his back on the reporters in the room. But the American people can see he's not even taking any questions about all these messes. He is turning his back on the American people, both literally in that press conference and figuratively because he's created all these messes and then uh, wondering why everyone doesn't love him. I see a future ad running through Tim Murtaugh's head right now that will be running probably before the 2022 midterms and obviously 2024, where he thinks that his former boss is going to run. And yeah, when you have a 74 million vote head start over your competitors, uh, yeah, why not, right? (laughs) Because... The nomination well, it would be quite easy to get, even uh, against the likes of a DeSantis or a Scott or a Gnome. But anyway, uh, Tim, we, we got to move leave it there, unfortunately. But I'll let you enjoy your weekend, uh, a sports-filled weekend, hopefully. And again, uh, follow uh, Tim on Twitter because he really can be very, very entertaining. Retweets me, too, from time to time, and I really appreciate it. Tim, what is that handle? Uh, at Tim Murtaugh. That's at T-I-M-M-U-R-T-A-U-G-H. And on Getter, it's the same thing. Getter is the new uh, free speech, non-canceling social media platform. Encourage everybody to get on there. And I will watch some sports this weekend, Joe. My Eagles lost already last night, so the NFL uh, has already lost its shine for me this week. But uh, there's always next week. Yeah, yeah. You beat Tom Brady once, but hard to beat him twice, certainly. So, Tim, thanks so much, man. Enjoy your weekend. All right. Appreciate it, Joe. Thank All right. You. See ya. Back with more of the Guy Benson Show in just a moment. You're listening to Guy Benson. And welcome back, everybody, to the Guy Benson Show. We're going to do a little banter here, back and forth, a little table tennis between Christine, the producer, and yours truly on... You're hearing Christmas music right now. You're saying, wait a minute. It's October 15th. I'm doing my math right. 16 plus 30 plus 25, 46... 
66, 71 days away is Christmas, and we're talking about Christmas. Well, I, I was at the CVS yesterday, and I would think I would see Halloween up. And yeah, I saw some of that, but there's also Christmas decorations. I think there's some stations on, on the, the satellite channels now that are playing Christmas music already. And I say no. No, 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 no. Not at least until after Thanksgiving, Christine, should we even speak about Christmas because I'm still in shorts. It's 75 degrees here in New York City. Are you not paying attention to what the president is saying? Get your Christmas presents now. I am pretty far into Christmas shopping. You are? Yes. For the kids? For everybody. And not only this, and I think my mother... I think I said this before, but my mother called me one sick pup when I told her, uh, here are the things that I would like for Christmas. So You are get, one sick pup. <laughs> get on it. I've given family members the list of what my daughter would like, what my husband would like, yeah. because we are in a shortage. And I am not going to let President Joe Biden ruin my Christmas. <laughs> How old are your kids? I have one. She is Eight. Eight. Oh, mine's eight as well. This is like the prime years. Boy or girl? Girl. Name? Her name is Megan because my husband would not let me name her Reagan. I liked Reagan. No, we were talking to Julie Banderas before and she was saying, no, you got to have a third. And if we had a third or we're going to have a third and we have a girl, I'd name her Reagan, but not because of the president. I had a girl in my beach house. Her name was Reagan. And I just thought it was the coolest name ever. And it was unique. And she would get angry at people because she was, you know, aesthetically pleasing uh, Reagan. And she married like an NBA player or something like that eventually. Uh, but the guys would be like, oh, you were named after the president. She'd be like, no, idiot. It's it's 2005, all right? I'm 27. You know, I was obviously born before there was a President Reagan. What are you kidding me? But the point is, it's a great name, eight years old. You're still teetering on princess time, toys time, stuffed animal time, and dresses and whatnot. But you're saying that if I don't go shopping now, gonna ruin it. then I'm going to ruin it because I won't be able to get what I want. Pretty much. That's what they're telling us. So get yourself up oh, here. Let me let me paint you a little picture of what you're going to do this weekend. All right. OK, so you said you got some sports to watch, right? I, I get some sports to watch some some bourbon to consume. Yeah. Probably. OK, well, you're going to we're going to put that to the side. The bourbon I respect That's later. That's yeah. later. Yeah. You're going to get yourself at 10 a.m. To one of the fabulous malls in New Jersey. Mall? Yeah, a mall. No. I want you to go to a mall. I, I will go to Amazon on my phone. Thank you very much. No, it's the same thing as going the to a mall. Spirit. No, you got to be in a mall shopping. But picking, I, hand-picking these presents. It's going to be, again, it's 72, 73 degrees. I'm not going. Should I wear a sweater? Over there. It gets chilly in the mall. You can. Well, it can get chilly in the mall. But the walk from, you know. The, the parking lot, it's a good mile. Like, who needs the gym when you go to the mall? By the time you walk into the mall and you walk through the mall, then they got to deal with people. There's nothing better really? than a mall in New Jersey. Wow. I don't know. I go to my phone. I get the Amazon in two days. But you're saying, though, I have to experience the, are they playing Christmas music already in the malls? Oh, I'm sure they are. Plus, don't you want to go see Santa? That's a good point. We take my kids to a farm to go see Santa. Because oh, is that where you get the tree? That's where we get the tree. Well, you be careful. There's a shortage on trees as well.
Have you been to the Pacific Northwest? There's plenty of trees up there. What's that have to do with? Oh, I guess you can't get it here because there's no one to drive the tree. Don't forget Thanksgiving. I have ordered all of my table decor for for the big day and my outfit and my daughter's outfit That's just to be on the six weeks away. Just to be on the safe side. Wow, this sucks. I thought 2020 sucked, but 2021's the suckiest suck suck that ever sucked. Back with more in just a moment. Actually, we're we're done with the show now, aren't we? We're done. Oh, okay. Well, thanks for letting me uh, fill in here, Christine, and then the powers that be at Fox. And I hope everybody has a great weekend shopping, apparently, for Christmas. Enjoy. See you when I see you. Bye-bye. everybody, it's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table to Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.